The comments and views expressed on The Moore Show are those of the people that make them and do not necessarily reflect the views of Kevin Moore, The Moore Show, or this radio station and its affiliates or sponsors. Welcome to another edition of The More Show, which is sponsored by the UFO Matrix magazine. On today's show, I'm about to be joined by my guest, Gerard Arston. Now, Gerard has been a student of the Ageless Wisdom teaching for over 30 years. He has a master's degree from the Amsterdam University of Applied Sciences in the Netherlands, where he has held a teaching position in the Department of Secondary Education since 2001. Gerard Arston, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm um, very happy to be on the show. Now, Jared, for a UK audience, just tell me a bit about your background to begin with. Um, well, by profession, I'm a teacher. Um, after I worked as a translator for a long time, um, and uh, at the same time, I've been studying the um, ageless wisdom teachings, as they are called, which have come to humanity through people like Madame Blavatsky, Alison Bailey, Benjamin Cram, and, and various others. Um, and uh, I've recently uh, written a book um, about uh, George Adamski, in which I link his uh, claims and his teachings uh, with the, the teachings uh, of the Ageless Wisdom. So, just to begin with then, tell us a bit about your, your latest book. Uh, well, it, my latest book is also my first book, and uh, it's, uh, it's called uh, George Adamski, A Herald for, for the Space Brothers. And, and I set out to, uh, because um, the, actually what, what made me um, uh, write the book was when I found out that uh, George Adamski did not just write three books that he's most known about, about flying saucers, but his very first book from 1936 was called uh, The Wisdom of the Masters of the Far East. And there I had an, an immediate link uh, with the teachings that I've been studying for so long. And I uh, wanted to know more about that. And uh, at first I thought uh, maybe he was influenced or inspired by other books. Uh, for instance, you may have heard of Bertie Spaulding's Life and Teaching of the Masters of the Far East, very popular um, from when it first came out and still in print. Um, but I couldn't find any link there. And uh, just researching, I came across uh, various sources which claimed that Adamski uh, went to Tibet, where it was sent to Tibet, actually, as a teenager. And he was trained there, not only in spirituality and meditation, but uh, also as a, in preparation for his later task to inform the world about the, uh, the reality of the flying saucers and the people from space. Let's just look into Adamski right now. Um, there was a lot of criticism against the man, wasn't there, in, in his later life? He was, he was defiled. He was ridiculed... Uh, to no end, there was no end to to the debunking that went on, and to you know to put him down and and to uh, make people disbelieve whatever he said. It, it's just incredible and and immense in that respect what what happened to him and and uh, very very criminal. Um, he 
he claimed uh, most most people will have heard of if they're interested in UFOs of his books um, Flying Sources Have Landed, which he co-wrote with uh, Desmond Leslie. Um, actually, Desmond Leslie wrote an, a historic overview of the UFO phenomenon, going all the way back to the uh, ancient Indian scriptures uh, about the Vimanas uh, in, the, in the Mahabharata, etc. Um, and um, uh, Adamski's part was added um, after De Desmond Leslie heard about his encounter, Adamski's encounter in the California desert in 1952 um, with a UFO and a person coming out of that UFO. And he had a brief interaction with that uh, space person. Um, so when, when Leslie heard about that, he, he decided to add it to his book, and that, that sort of made it an overnight sensation uh, when it came out in 1953. Uh, it was followed in uh, 1955 by uh, a book that Adamski wrote himself with help uh, inside the spaceship, but it was about uh, uh, Adamski's own uh, personal experiences aboard uh, motherships, as he calls them, that uh, transport the smaller saucers uh, between the planets. And uh, after that, he wrote mo one more book about uh, flying saucers, uh, which is um, uh, Flying Saucers Farewell. It came out in 1961. And after his popularity grew to such an extent in the 1950s, uh, especially after uh, the publication of his second book, Inside the Spaceships, it seems the author authorities got really seriously worried, and they went all out to defame him and, and to uh, ridicule him. And um, it, it, it was amazing because uh, I, this, what I didn't know before I, um, before I started researching him, uh, he was, I, I knew he was world famous because his book had been translated in, in, in uh, at least a dozen languages. Um, but he also went on a speaking tour, for instance. It took him to South America, to Australia, New Zealand, or Europe um, in 1959 and again in, in the early 60s uh, to many countries. And uh, the, the things that he was saying... Uh, sparked such interest in people that um, yeah, the uh, the establishment um, was afraid that you know that people would would no longer put up with uh, the status quo. With uh, you know, we must remember this was the time of the Cold War. Yes, uh, the United States and their allies were um, yeah were were in a standoff with the Soviets and 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 the uh, uh, and their allies. Um, and people were living under a psychological threat. I mean, I was born in 1957, but I still remember that threat lingering on in the 1960s, you know, where you grow up with, uh, with uh, alarms going off in the streets every first Monday of the month to test if, uh, you know, if we can be warned in time if the Russians are coming. And, uh, of course, people were looking uh, not just uh, for... Uh, for relief from that tension, from that stress. But they were looking for a different way of life as well. And, and Adamski, um, through his experiences, his contacts in his book, showed that there were other ways of you know, going about building a human society without competition and, and division. Uh, so uh, that, that that's the main reason why he was, uh, uh, well, that he... That he he had character assassination uh, committed uh, on himself. I mean, do you believe that there was any sort of disinformation brought about by himself, perhaps? 
I don't have any reason to believe that. Uh, if if you look closely at the things that he that he has said, then um, um, I'm, uh, most of it, almost everything that he said, chimes in with the teachings that we have received through the people that I mentioned earlier, uh, and and this, those teachings, the core of those teachings can be found in every relig major religion on earth. Um, so when he talks about um, uh, you know the need for harmlessness, the uh, the fact of uh, the the brotherhood of man, not just on this planet but uh, but on every planet throughout the universe. Um, that, that's exactly the same thing you find in the major religions and in the the teachings of the ages wisdom. Uh, there may have been instances where he didn't have all the information, and there may have been instances where perhaps he made mistakes. But he, I, I, I have no reason to believe that he willingly or, or uh, consciously misinformed people. So, uh, for example, then, what did uh, Adamski say about our local solar system and, you know, uh, planet Saturn um, as well? Mm, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's a famous episode where he uh, claimed that he went on a, a three-day conference on the planet Saturn. Uh, but I think the, the important thing is... Uh, what he says about life. He says life uh, is not a freak accident uh, because of the coming together of certain chemical elements on this planet. Life is universal, he says. And, and as I said, that's, that's, uh, you can find the same tenet, the same premise in the teachings um, that originated on this planet. Um, and uh, he says that his contact came from planets like Mars and Venus and Saturn and, and uh, other planets in the solar system. Of course, at the time, there was still uh, you know, a lot of excitement among the general population and, and among scientists because the first space probes were going out, were sent into space, and we were getting reading backs, uh, readings back that seem to show that life as we know it here is not possible on those planets because of the physical conditions. And um, uh, Adamski famously um, insisted that his contacts were from those planets. Now, the Aceless Wisdom teaching says that life on other planets doesn't necessarily take place on the same dense physical plane as it does here on planet Earth. Um, according to the teachings, there are four higher levels of material reality, which we cannot see with our dense, with our solid physical eyes, uh, but which are material nonetheless. And they're called the uh, um, levels of, you know, the, the planes of ether. There's four, four levels of them uh, above the dense physical, the liquid physical, and the gaseous physical that our science knows and, and acknowledges. And it is on those higher uh, levels of, of uh, matter uh, where, you know, the things uh, drop out of our range of vision because the higher frequency of the atoms on those levels. But um, and, um, we must remember that um, the, um, you know, the, the, uh, the, the discovery by Wilhelm Reich, for instance, of the orgone energy uh, is exactly uh, of those levels of matter. Uh, so the, uh, 
the efforts that scientists are now uh, uh, making in, in the uh, Large Hadron Collider in, in CERN, in Switzerland, are to do with trying to prove the existence of, of levels of matter or particles that they know must exist and that they say you know, 96% of the universe consists of, but they have not been able to, to measure yet with their instruments. So, and it is on those levels that life on the other planets in our solar system exists. So are we talking about then uh, different dimensional kind of uh, uh, beings, perhaps? Well, you could call them dimensions, but, but in fact they're just higher planes of, of material reality. You know, but, but whether you call them dimensions or not, I don't think that's really material, not really important. Um, but uh, if you know, if a UFO, uh, uh, you you will have heard of many UFO sightings where suddenly something appears in the sky, or when when something has been spotted and and, and observed for a while, it seems to sometimes uh, disappear uh, into thin air. And, and that's just a matter of, of uh, the craft or the, 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 the people in the craft raising or lowering, as the case may be, uh, the rate of vibration of their atoms. And, and as soon as they uh, go back to the normal frequency, they disappear from our sight. So, you know, again, these could uh, be existing in our very own uh, solar system. Yes, absolutely. And that's what Damsky said. That's what the teachings say, because life, again, life is not an accident, but it's a universal principle. And life expresses itself through the evolution of consciousness. And that takes place throughout the universe. There's no reason to assume why it would be on an isolated planet somewhere on the fringe of our galaxy only. It's a universal uh, occurrence. Uh, it's just uh, sad for us that most of us do not have etheric vision. Uh, there are increasingly people who do have etheric vision and, and they can see, for instance, uh, spirits of people who have passed away or, or other uh, phenomena. phenomena. Um, another example I could give of a scientist who has been uh, touching on on that same concept of the planes of etheric matter is um, even though he may not uh, you know acknowledge it when when you ask him but the work of um, Rupert Sheldrake uh, morphogenetic fields uh, also touches on the same the same uh, notion of there being you know, uh, planes where levels where uh, the blueprints exist for you know, any living thing, any object, in fact. <clears throat> and he's, he's, uh, he's uh, gone a long way in proving that his, uh, his uh, hypothesis in experiments. Let's go back to George Adamski's sort of uh, pathway here. Um, OK, you've, you've spoken about the, uh, the time in the Middle East, uh, which at the beginning part of uh, researching George, you was totally unaware that he had this sort of, you know, spiritual um, sort of beginning in, in his life. Um, well, just tell us a bit more about the Middle East wisdom that he studied. Well, um, uh, I think you mean the, uh, the wisdom of the masters of the Far East in Tibet, not, not rather than the Middle East. Um, he uh, well, he was a teenager, and there is very little known about his uh, his um, um, sojourn in in, in Tibet. Um, some sources say he was there three years; others say he was there for six years. Um, but um, 
yeah, I, I was surprised to to learn that uh, he actually went to Tibet at that time because this was remember this was the uh, the, the the last couple of years of the 19th century and and the turn of the century into the 20th century when he was there uh, as a teenager. He was born in. Um, um, 1891. So maybe it was just the, the beginning of the 20th century when, when Tibet was very much an isolated kingdom of uh, Buddhist uh, I know, priests and, uh, and nobody, hardly anybody managed to get in there. Uh, with a few exceptions and, and those few exceptions are uh, just as famous as, uh, as Adamski is. Um, and uh, so even less is known about exactly what he did there. But uh, the uh, the book that he wrote about what he learned, The Wisdom of the Masters of the Far East, that came out in 1936, uh, is, is really a, a gem of, of uh, uh, and, and, and basically a summary of what you could read in major works such as, such as uh, Madame Blavatsky's uh, The Secret Doctrine or Isis Unveiled. Uh, in very uh, accessible language, you know, very understandable. Uh, he makes the concepts, universal concepts, very clear in that book. And uh, therefore, I took some um, some pages in my book that I wrote about him uh, to to summarize what he wrote in that book because it's so it's really a, a, a gem of wisdom. So obviously, Adamski was a very spiritual man. Would you say? Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, even though um, his, uh, you know, the uh, uh, the attempts to defile him uh, made him, um, uh, yeah, I, I suppose that that's what made him decide to insist that the uh, the people that he met and the craft that he went on were, uh, you know, mechanical and 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 physical, which they are, except they are on etheric matter in etheric matter and and really they are you know just as as physical as uh, as anything that we know except on a slightly higher rate of vibration but um, yeah he uh, he wanted to uh, um, to prevent people from thinking that he was talking about spirits or things like that so what race did did make contact uh, with uh, with Adamski uh, initially um well, he has had contact with uh, people from Venus, from Mars, from Saturn that I know of, and, and Jupiter, uh, I believe. And he doesn't um, talk about, you know, really strange physical features. He describes them as normal-looking people, some a bit shorter in posture, uh, others much taller, um, but um, you know, looking perfectly human, uh, except for you know, yeah. He, and he describes actually in his book Inside the Spaceships that there are some racial differences, just as we find them here on Earth. You know, some people are, are white, either are black or, or yellow. And he says you have similar dim differences on other planets. So, but he doesn't talk about you know reptilians or, or greys or anything like that. So where does his work fit in with Roswell then? Well, Roswell actually was, and, and uh, this is information that I uh, um, got from um, Benjamin Cram's book, who is one of the people who have been elaborating on the Asus Wisdom teaching for, uh, well, I think almost 35 years now. 
And um, Benjamin Graham says that uh, the Roswell incident was actually a uh, deliberate sacrifice on the part of the, uh, the crew from Mars who, uh, who uh, crashed the, the ship there in uh, what is the New Mexico uh, area around Roswell to um, allow our scientists to have physical proof of the, their existence. So they, they sacrificed themselves, their lives, uh, deliberately um, so that uh, our scientists would have the, yeah, the evidence of their craft and their bodies. And uh, um, this, of course, happened in, in what was it, uh, July, early July. It was part of a, a huge effort on the part of the space people to, yeah, to, to give, get humanity uh, to uh, uh, you know, get accustomed to the notion that there's life out there and that we're not alone in the universe and that there are people who are concerned about us and about how, you know, how careless we seem to be with our planet, our own home, through the pollution and, and the, uh, the nuclear power that we use and uh, abuse um, with very much disregard, actually, for the health of the planet. But again, though, uh, Gerard, uh, you know, these, was, these weren't the normal-looking uh, sort of species that uh, Adamski had been uh, visited by. These were quite separate-looking uh, individuals, weren't they, as, as such? Um, I, I, of course, I've seen the, the footage, and uh, they may seem slightly you know, different in, in body shape, but they had a head and, and, and four limbs in, in around the same places where we have our limbs. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't, you know, um, I, w I wouldn't really say they're that much different uh, looking from us. Um, and, um, yeah, the, uh, I think the important thing is that, uh, uh, you know, that, that the, the, they have been attempting ever since World War II and the invention of uh, nuclear fission technology to uh, let us know, even uh, you know, in spite of all the, the best efforts of the authorities to, uh, to cover it up, um, that, that they are here. And, you know, Adamski set up uh, a worldwide network of correspondence, which he called the Get Acquainted Program. Uh, some similar efforts were going on, I learned recently, uh, in, in Italy and other European countries that did not have direct contact with George Adamski, but uh, where hundreds of Italians, in this case, um, were allowed access to underground bases of the space people uh, from 1956 onwards, uh, running all the way into the late 1970s, and that was called the Friendship Case. And it also had uh, branches in, in South America. So I think the importance of Adamski's message is, and, and of the, the, the correspondences with the other contact cases, is that the space people are here. Um, from all the evidence that we have, the real evidence, if you, if you listen to you know, the dignitaries, the officials that come forward and go on the record after many years sometimes, the evidence that we have is that they're not here to conquer anything. They're not here to, uh, to abduct people or mistreat us or to colonize us. They are here to help. Okay. And have they always been here? I mean, why, why the sudden interest in the 40s? <laughs> I think that is to do with, the, as I said, the invention of the nuclear 
efficient technology and the fact that the world has has really um, been on the brink ever, ever since, especially through you know, the uh, the Cold War standoff, um, because the, the divisions, the artificial divisions that um, separate man from man, that 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 allow for millions of people to die of hunger for for lack of the food that's rotting in in the warehouses around the world. Um, the, the the inhumane um, rule of of the, the the market as we have allowed it, especially in the last thirty years, the deep divisions uh, have made the world a really dangerous place, along with the invention of the atom bomb. So um, that is, I think, the reason why the the space people have decided that um, you know it's time that we learn that there's other life out there. Um, another thing that we sh- that is really most important is that the world, humanity, has come to the point where we are reawakening to um, the, uh, uh, the spiritual realities of life. Well, before we get on to, the, to, to that, I do, I, obviously we, we're going to go down that path and talk about the, uh, the spiritual side of all this in, in quite some detail. Why, in your opinion, have they not made contact before? What, why um, have they sort of, you know, okay, you say there that they, the, there was one particular species, maybe, that uh, sacrificed itself um, to, to sort of, you know, bring the truth out, and I suppose all we did was compartmentalize it and, you know, keep it as a secret, but then maybe the technology has made its way into the modern-day uh, technology that we have today, just the bare basics of it. Um, but why have they not just come out and said, look, here we are? Is that the sign of a spiritually advanced race to, to not make its presence known and, and sort of, you know, land outside the capital as such? Well, um, I suppose there's two ways about going about it. Um, I think it is the uh, the sign of a spiritually advanced race that uh, that they have uh, done everything in their power to try and show themselves without infringing our free will. Uh, they have appeared to. M- I think literally millions of people around the planet. They have crashed some of their saucers. They have contacted many, many governments. Uh, they have done done all kinds of things, um, and, and even to a very great extent in the last uh, couple of years, you know, where you see whole fleets uh, sometimes over over cities, major cities, so that uh, hundreds of people can see them. Um, so it's not for lack of effort on their part, but they respect something that most of us here on Earth uh, disrespect every day and disregard and, and you know, very often don't even think about that, that it's something so basic and so important. And that's our free will. Um, neither the space people nor the masters of wisdom will ever infringe our free will. Uh, we, the, the recognition of the higher dimensions of life has to come from us, from within. And um, they can, they'll do everything within, you know, the, the law, uh, as it's called, that, that they can um, to allow us that, to recognize those higher dimensions. But um, if, uh, if, you know, if, if we uh, allow our scientists 
to deny our own personal experience, if we deny, if we allow our governments or military uh, or corporate interests to deny uh, what everybody, you know, within their in their right mind would would have to recognize that there are alien craft or crafts from from outside Earth uh, that can only be uh, how do you call that uh, flown by intelligent uh, control. Uh, you know, then it's then that's our responsibility. Uh, they, they're doing everything in their power to to show themselves. You know, the, 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 and, and the the shows, the aerial shows that they're giving are becoming ever more spectacular. You know, and and when there is this this blue spiral over over Norway, for instance, uh, which could only, I think, have been, uh, well. Maybe there are other explanations, but the explanation that we have been given in the media from our authorities that it was a failed uh, missile launch from the Russians. You know, when is the last time we've heard of missiles that have been designed that were designed in such a way as to look like Chinese fireworks when they fail? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. You would say, in your opinion, we're being hidden from the the sort of biggest truth of mankind, which is, you know, we are not alone. We've never been alone. Exactly. And they have visited us before, uh, but perhaps before, say, the Christian era. Uh, there are numerous accounts in, in older scriptures of, uh, and even in the Old Testament, I believe, um, of uh, people from space uh, contacting us and, and, and communicating, interacting with us. And the fact that they're here now is uh, is uh, because, as I said, you know, humanity's reawakening to the spiritual realities of life, and uh, this time is so historic. It's so crucial in the history of mankind and our and our development, our um, uh, evolution, uh, because the masses of wisdom who have been living. Uh, behind the scenes, so to speak, in, in remote mountain and desert areas for, well, since the destruction of Atlantis, basically, they are now re-emerging into our lives and, and taking up their places in the world again. Uh, this has been, this has started actually since 1945 as well. And the UFOs are here in support of that event. You know, the, many people seem to think that the coming of the UFOs are, is an event in itself. And, and um, you know, they are just here in support because they would never do anything to, um, to influence um, the uh, evolution on Earth, the natural course of events on this planet uh, in, in a negative way and of their, you know, for their own benefit. They're only here in support. So why are people being abducted then? Um, well, maybe they aren't, uh, and and if they are, maybe they're not being abducted by by the UFOs. Um, we know, and and I've doc documented this much in my book, um, how much George Adamski and all of the other early abductee or sorry contactees, not abductees but contactees, uh, have been ridiculed, etc., by the authorities. And you know, attempts have been made to bribe them into saying, "Well, you know, this wasn't real. This was science fiction, etc." Um, and Adamski, of course, is the famous, most famous uh, case of, of uh, someone who insisted that his experiences were real. And 
the interesting thing is you will not find any of the early contactees saying that they have been abducted. And um, if you look at the statements from officials, uh, dignitaries, whether they are astronauts or uh, people who are in those nuclear missile silos or uh, even Pope John the Twenty-Third, uh, no one has ever said anything about being abducted. There's a famous case of the president of the southern Russian state or, or Republic of Kalmakia, Ilyum, uh, Kirsan Ilyumzinov. He was also the head of the World Chess Federation, FIDE. And he says he was invited onto a ship, given a tour of the ship. Uh, I think they uh, took him to some other part of the planet, and it, the whole experience took about 24 hours. And not once does he talk about being abducted, because he was invited and he wasn't abducted. And of course, there are, well, I don't know how many hundreds, thousands of people now who say they have been abducted. And I believe that if, you know, the authorities have been able to do what they've done in terms of uh, um, you know, denying the experience of the, of the contactees and, and, and uh, ridiculing them and covering up all the evidence that's there, I believe they're also capable of giving people abduction experiences, memories, maybe implanting memories or you know drug induced or hypnosis induced experiences and and uh, the uh, the people from space that are allowed to come out to our planet are only the the people who are uh, evolved far enough to help us okay okay so you use the word there evolve and i suppose would you say that that's what you know as a sort of as a conscious shift that's going on right now, would you say that we are evolving spiritually? And because of that, um, where do you think this conscious shift is going to take us as we sort of enter this new uh, era of um, Piscean era? Is it the end of the I Pis- would say an era of, uh, Aquarius, of, of brotherhood and synthesis. Yeah, the, the age of Aquarius, that's what it's been called, of course. And, uh, um, and, and it's, it will be an, uh, an era of, of brotherhood, recognized brotherhood, practical brotherhood and, and unity and synthesis, because we will come to uh, a recognition of the fact that life is one with, uh, of course, with the conclusion, the only possible conclusion, that humanity is one and that we have to act on that realization. When the masses of wisdom... And that's, and, and that's really important to, uh, to understand. Um, when the masters of wisdom re-emerge into the world and have taken up their places, and, and with them at their head, the head of the master of all the masters, who is called the poor teacher, um, we will, uh, that will, you know, within a few years from now, according to Benjamin Krem, um, we will have a, a very profound experience on the day when that will become known. Um, the masters of wisdom are people like us, but they have gone ahead of us in evolution. Life is about an evolution, the evolution of consciousness. Of course, we know the evolution of, of the physical form, you know, the, the, the different, different kingdoms in nature, and, and Darwin has documented uh, most, of the, uh, uh, most of that process. But the evolution of the form is only there to facilitate the evolution of consciousness. 
and uh, from the human consciousness, ha- from sorry, from the human kingdom, has evolved uh, the spiritual kingdom. In, in church terms, we would call it the kingdom of souls, and that's occupied by the masters and the initiates of wisdom. Um, and you know, everybody on this planet. Um, goes through the same process of evolution and ends up as member of that kingdom. If you think of the great names in, in, in history, whether they are you know, uh, considered now founders of religion, of course them, they themselves would never see themselves as such, uh, but uh, people like Krishna or Buddha or Christ, Muhammad, but also great composers or painters or scientists, inventors, you know, they were all masters or initiates uh, in, in the wisdom tradition. And uh, those masters have inspired and guided humanity throughout our history, um, from only from behind the scenes since Atlantis was, destructed, was, de- sorry, was destroyed. And um, they are now, at the time, they have come to a point in their evolution as a kingdom, and humanity has come to a point in, ev- in our own evolution where it is important that the two are, you know, come back in, in contact with each other again and will be moving forward together, n- openly known to each other. Of course, the masters know about us, but most of humanity doesn't know about the masters. And it is that, that event which is taking place now. There are 14 masters in the world already, according to the information from Benjamin Kerr. And uh, it, is, it is that event um, that will make us realize that all life is interconnected. There is not one atom, even in the universe, that is not connected with any other atom in the universe, literally. And uh, through that recognition, through that profound experience, which we will be given on the day when the world teacher will make himself known, will make known to the world that he and his group of masters have returned to the world, uh, we will realize that we are brothers and sisters all around the world. And it is a crime for against humanity for any of us to deny anybody the basic needs of you know, food, shelter, education, healthcare, etc., as is happening now, unfortunately, because of the structures that are now in place. But fortunately, we can also see that those same structures are uh, gradually and, and faster and faster, in fact, uh, crumbling and falling apart. You know, nothing seems to work anymore. The economy, the political systems, um, education, um, everything that we built up in our civilization over the past 2,000 years under the influence of the energies coming from the uh, uh, constellation of Pisces, everything is crumbling because those energies have been withdrawing for the last couple of hundred years, while the new energies from Aquarius have not yet, you know, we have not yet built the structures through which those energies uh, can be expressed. Sure. And, uh, uh, and, and, and this is what creates all the tension in the world, and this is what we need to understand, and this is what we need to put into practice. Once we understand that humanity is one, then the, t- the stress, the tension will subside, will disappear, trust will take its place, uh, and, and uh, this, this whole process will be... Um, will be supported by the people from space and and it will help us realize that you know indeed we are not you know we are not unique on this planet we are not the kings of the crown of creation 
we are a, a very important, but still just a clearing house of consciousness, one one stage in the evolution of consciousness. And there's huge avenues of, of evolution beyond the human stage. Okay. So... Uh I mean, some people would say, though, that, you know, um, you know, systems, you know, for example, the economy has its ups and downs. Are, are you saying the, the particular crisis that we're in now is, is sort of pinnacle to this time of change, though? Are you pinpointing all these um, worldwide events, that, for example, the Middle East collapse and, um, uh, you know, you know the, the breakdown of, of, of uh, regimes as part of this, you know, pinnacle time of, of, of change? Or is it just, you know, give it a couple of years and, and you know, we'll be back to our normal selves? <laughs> um, well, I, I, I think, yes, that, that's a very, very pertinent question. And, and I think if you look at uh, recent history, um, you will see that um, we have been through crisis after crisis and we've bounced back, it seems. Uh, but... <clears throat> increasingly you know the crisis get worse and more frequent and i think you're absolutely right it is to do with the fact that the structures as i've said are are crumbling they no longer serve our needs they are based on competition and greed and division and uh, they they've divided humanity in rich and poor um, you know, in, in different religions and, and different uh, ways of, of looking at the world. And if, if you just look at, at, you know, attempts to form governments in the past two, three years, um, you have in the UK now a unique situation uh, with uh, the first coalition government in, for the first time in a in hundred years. Um, in, in Holland, we have a government that can only govern um, because of the support of some, some uh, right-wing party that, who doesn't want to be part of the government. The similar situation exists in Denmark. In America, the, you know, society and politics seems to be split down the middle uh, with opposing, opposing sides in, in equal strength and force. The same situation seems to uh, pertain in, in Australia. Um, so everything is coming to a head, whether it's politics, economics, the, the, the banking crisis, the credit crisis that uh, uh, is uh, still said to be almost over, is going to deepen and you know, is now developing into a, a national debt crisis. Uh, that's because the structures just don't work anymore. And we need to, to and, and, and it will help us, it will help bring us to the point where we realize, wait, wait a second, this is, we, we cannot go on like this, you know, polluting the planet, polluting the very habitat that we depend on for, for, our, for our lives, for our subsistence, uh, to an extent that, you know, boggles the mind. Um, so, and, and all for what? You know, for the moment, it's all for love of money and more money. So, but so the money isn't going anywhere because millions of people are dying. So, how do other planets make this work then out there? What did Adamski say of the structures that they have in place? I mean, do they just go and do any job they'd like? I mean, how does their policies work? How, how do their money... Do they have yeah. such thing as monetary? You said there that uh, the biggest crime against humanity is towards itself with not looking after the starving and the needy. Um, how, how do they make a planet work? Adamski does say a couple of things about that. 
and and I've quoted him on uh, on various points. Um, but I, I think the most important thing we need to remember is that every planet has its own destiny to fulfill. So it's not about looking at how people on Venus or Mars are are dealing with this. It's about uh, you know we have to find our own way. Uh, but there are a few basic cosmic principles, and those principles are the need for harmlessness once we realize that life is one. When you realize that life is one, you will understand and that every atom and every person, therefore, because we're just, uh, you know, atoms at a slightly higher um, level of com uh, complexity, um, is interconnected, uh, we will also understand the need for harmlessness and that we must prevent, must do everything in our power to prevent divisions to exist. Of course, there will always be differences because, uh, you know, it's not about um, creating, um, yeah, some kind of, uh, what was it, um, brave new world, you know, where everybody, nobody is allowed their own individuality. The whole can only exist through each individual's contribution and the, the whole can only be enriched if everybody is a uniquely individual expression of, of life. Um, so what we, what we need to do is realize that we're all brothers and sisters. Everybody needs to be given the, uh, the, the opportunity to develop themselves, to, to contribute to human uh, society. Um, and the, 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 one, the one thing that we first must do, must do of course, uh, to, is to act on that uh, realization and make sure that everybody has the opportunity, that everybody has been given at least you know, the, the, the basic necessities for life. And from there on, you know, it's up to us. We have already in place the United Nations organization. Of course, that's been hijacked more or less by the, main, the major powers, economic powers, political, military powers, with the, through the Security Council. But if we get rid of the Security Council, the UN could very well function as a world parliament where every nation has an equal voice and where, you know, where conflicts or, or um, points of uh, con contest can be discussed in, in a humane, in, 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 in a civil manner. And, you know, things do not need to be solved always on the spot. Sometimes they may take a while, and, and you know, discussion may go back and forth, but it's important to reach a consensus, especially when you understand the need for harmlessness. You know, not solving, trying to solve a conflict through war or, or uh, violence, uh, but through you know, the understanding of the fact that we're all in this together and there's the only way of, of evolving uh, together is by allowing each and every one of us, individuals, nations, uh, groups of nations, continents, races, to express ourselves. You know, so, yeah, on, on other planets, uh, Namsky has said, uh, you know, they don't use money. There is no monetary system. He has said that on Venus, people uh, work, but it's only a few hours a week that they have to work because their their society so far evolved that they have a lot of things that do the work for them. You know, all factories where where robots are creating the artifacts of life, and and uh, people don't need to work uh, for 40 hours a week 
for you know just to 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 make a living uh, instead a lot of people you know were uh, yeah try to understand their own nature their divine nature uh, they go around the universe especially the solar system but sometimes also beyond to understand more of of it and and because we are of you know of our origin is in the universe um, they travel around. Adamski says people are the same everywhere. They love to travel. They love to learn from new places and, and other people that they meet. I, I've got to say, Gerard, everything that you've explained so far sounds very much like uh, Gene Roddenberry's concept in Star Trek. You know, the Federation, <laughs> the, the, the different species. I mean, um, uh, you know, I suppose we you know, people have uh, you know seen this in their culture. This what, what you're explaining. Um, yes, and, and you know it's it, it's it's actually a deeply human uh, desire to you know to live like that, to live in peace. Nobody in the right mind would want war, except maybe for a few people who think they can make profit out of it. But but you know of the of the majority of people, the the the, the masses, nobody in the right mind would want war or conflict. But don't you think, you think? The pro- don't you think the problem is though, Gerard, that um, you know, you talk about this oneness, but there's a lot of people who you know who would who would turn around and say, well, unless you can you know scientifically prove that life continues after death, um, unless you you know and, and you know and most people as well um, you know want the proof in front of the the, the, the face that you know that the uh, there's life out there and, and and everything else that goes with it. Mm-hmm. Um, this whole yeah. one, this whole oneness that you speak about as well. Are, are do people actually, you know, are people ready for that? I mean, I meet a lot of angry. There's a lot of angry people out there right now, and you know, yes. are are yes. they are they spiritually ready for the change? I think the the, um, the anger shows in, in a way is evidence that they are ready. Or because you know we are the angry. The anger comes from from people running into that brick wall. That because uh, our existing structures don't allow them to uh, to go further to see beyond. And and uh, I think the proof will be for most people uh, undeniable when on the day when when the world teacher m- makes himself known and introduces to the world the. Uh, the the masters of wisdom of which he is the head, he, Benjamin Kremer said he will overshadow at the same time all of humanity. Well, who is this? Um, who is this? He will come on TV. Sure, go Sorry. ahead. Go ahead. You go on TV. Go ahead. Um, um, okay, Benjamin Krem is is one in a line of of uh, disciples of the masters. Uh, I've mentioned Madame Lavatsky who gave the world the secret doctrine and Isis unveiled. Um, Alice Ann Bailey elaborated on that uh, in, in um, uh, 19 books, uh, which were dictated to her by one of the masters. Benjamin Krem has started uh, 35 odd years ago to um, introduce to the world the fact that this this whole um, return of what is called our elder brothers, the spiritual hierarchy, is now about to happen. And he has said that, that the world teacher, the head of the spiritual hierarchy, uh, whose personal name is, is Maitreya, will come um, 
on uh, well, on one of these days he just started last year with a series of interviews in the United States he's since been interviewed on Mexican television also and this will go around the world in the coming few years and and culminate in a, a TV broadcast where he will overshadow all of humanity at the same time everyone over the age of 14 and he will at that time, we will hear his words, he will, he will talk to us about 15, 20 minutes, um, and we will see his face on TV, but we will not see his lips move as he speaks to us. So we will receive his, his thoughts, his words in our brains, and so you will hear him in English. As a native Dutch speaker, I will hear him in Dutch, the French will hear him in French, the Chinese in Chinese, uh, the Russians in Russian, etc., etc. And during that 15 or 20 minutes, he will not only give us an overview of, you know, the spiritual heights from which we have come and, and the, the, the gross materialism to which we've descended, but also the, the enormous way we've, we've uh, gone through evolution already and, and the avenues that, that are awaiting us. Uh, he will introduce to us the, not only the masters of wisdom, probably also the people from space, the whole notion of that, and, um, and, and give us at the same time an experience. Will, he will let us experience that we are all one, that we are all brothers and sisters. And, and uh, he, says, he said that it will be almost physical, as, as we can feel his, the love, because he embodies the love aspect of the cosmic energies on this planet. It will be as if I embrace you. And at the same time, hundreds of thousands of, of miraculous healings will take place. Uh, and that is how we will be sure that he is, in fact, the master of all the masters, uh, the world teacher. And, and that is why the UFOs are here now, in support of that event. And that is the proof humanity will be given that we are one and that there is a way out of our problems. Well, this has been a fascinating interview. I've got, I've got to say that much, and um, I, I, I'm so glad I got you onto my show. Um, what would you want the core message of your work to be right now, Gerard? Um, I, th I think the core message of, of what I'm doing, of uh, what I've written about in my first book and what I will be writing about even more in my second book, is that the coming of the UFOs is not an event in itself, but happen is happening in support of the most climactic change in, in human history that people could, if, uh, could imagine. It is more profound, than, uh, but at the same time more hopeful and inspiring than most people in the UFO community would think. Where can people find out more information about your work? Um, I have a website, um, www.bgapublications.nl. It's in English. Um, my book is available on Amazon, any, any Amazon site around the world. Um, there's, uh, uh, the Dutch edition has been out for a while, and people have been working on German, Spanish, and Japanese translations, but it's not yet clear when they will uh, be published. Um, so, yes, that's where they can find out. I write regularly still, of course, about uh, the extraterrestrial presence and, and the uh, implications for, for life on, on Earth. And I'm currently working on my, uh, on my new book. Um, so, uh, yes, that's, uh, that's it, I believe. Okay, and uh, people can catch you in the UK in the, in the next few, uh, few weeks, can't they? 
or next week, shall I say? Uh, yes, I'll be speaking uh, at the um, Leeds Exit Politics uh, Expo um, in, in Leeds on the 7th of August. Uh, the, ex- the conference will be from the 5th to the 7th of August, and I'll be uh, uh, speaking on the 7th. And I'll also be speaking in Edinburgh on uh, the 9th of August. And more details are, uh, can be found on my, on my website. Well, Gerard, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much for uh, giving me the opportunity. To find out more information on Gerard Arston, just go to my website, which is themoreshow.co.uk, and look up Gerard Arston under past guests. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter to get the latest updates on the show. And we have a TV show which goes out on Sky 201 and FreeSat 403 every Friday at 6pm. Again, you can find out more information on the website. So until next time, thanks for listening.